In this series, we've been talking about how in life we go through hard things sometimes, and the last 16 months have been incredibly traumatic. Many of you guys would say, well, even before that I had things going on, and we've heard some powerful stories so far. In week one, Chris and Angela talked about a battle with depression and anxiety, and we got to hear from them and what God taught them and how he used it for good, and he brought some beautiful things out of some really difficult circumstances. And then last week we heard from Michael and Letitia as they talked about chronic pain and her eventually having to give up her job and kind of feeling purposeless. And again, maybe some of you guys can relate to some of what they've been going through. Tonight we've got two separate people here for two different stories, two different situations, both incredibly traumatic and difficult, but you're just going to see God at work, the joy of God in the midst of real hardship. And so I know you guys are going to be really encouraged tonight. Uh, These two guys I've known for at least 30 years, and they're really great friends of mine, and uh, I'm just so thankful that they're here today. So would you guys help me welcome out Steve Lee and Dave Kava? Yes, these guys are awesome, man. These guys are awesome. These guys have have blessed me so much. I've got a few pictures for you of us back in the day. Uh, The first picture is, I think, a selfie of me and Dave back there back in the day. We were on this trip across America. We were going to... Is it not there? Well, of course it's horrible. Dude, this was... This was the 90s. You didn't, like, you didn't have a phone where you could just keep taking it. I had one shot at a selfie with me and you. And, and you had like food in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, the next one is Dave wrestling uh, one of our friends in, the, in, in like, what we thought was river water, but I, it probably was sewage. Um, and then uh, here's the next picture is me and Steve and then my friend Scott, our friend Scott in the middle there. And uh, the next one is a picture of Steve coming out of a porta potty for some reason. So there's Steve. And then there's a picture of me coming out of a porta potty for some reason. And so I think Dave uh, wanted to take pictures of all that. I'm not sure why exactly. But these guys um, have been such a huge blessing to me. These guys, man, like pushed me closer to Jesus, still do to this day. These guys were guys that I so looked up to as I was growing up, and um, they really influenced my love for music, my love for just fun and humor, and uh, we've, we've had so many crazy adventures together, and so I'm so thankful for them being here, and again, man, God's really going to use them. He's been speaking through them so powerfully all day long, so why don't you guys just in- introduce yourselves a little bit more. Uh, Dave's been here. He was here about two years ago. You might remember him coming and sharing a service with us, but uh, go, go for it, guys. Just introduce yourselves a little bit for us. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I, uh, my name's Dave. I've been married for 26 years, and my wife has wanted to be here tonight, but she is quite sick. Um, and uh, I was saying, like, it's really weird when people ask me how many kids I have these days, because usually someone that's asking you that hardly knows you. And the right answer is, you know, Two on earth and four in heaven, three of whom were miscarried, but that's uh, a little heavy for, uh, you know, hey, how you doing kind of conversation. So um, I was uh, an entrepreneur for the last 14 years. I sold a business in uh, 2019. Since this is the evening service and it's kind of like the extended dance remix, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get to that story because it was one of, you know, just dozens of you know, things that clearly had God's hand mm. on it that happened while my daughter was uh, sick, crazy things. Um, but yeah, and I'm still entrepreneuring these days. So. <laughs> nice. Which is a nice way of saying not working a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, so. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, I've been married for 16 years. Uh, I have uh, a beautiful daughter uh, who's 14 and a son who's eight. Uh, Love them both. Uh, I'm currently a transportation supervisor for a local school district, so I deal with school buses. Prior to that, I was, uh, I've actually been involved in in, uh, people transportation for over 20 years. Uh, So imagine my surprise when I come pull around the back and I see school buses, (laughs) and I'm just thinking, I just can't get away from this, no matter what I do. Yes, that, that's my burden. So, so uh, and, uh, but prior to that, I used to work at a Christian bookstore, and I was their music guy. And yes, you can thank me. I am the one responsible to taking him from hymnals and to the mosh pit. So that's, that's the one. Uh, you know, I got him all involved in, in that type of music. And, um, 
you know, questionable, but uh, <laughs> but uh, he enjoys it, I, I hope, because you know, uh, your hair grew. Not now, but back then it grew. And um, uh, so now I'm, I'm just, uh, just hap happy to be alive and uh, just trying to live it the best I can. So I'm just hanging in there. All right. Appreciate it. All right, guys. So what trauma have you guys been through? Dave, you want to start us? Um, I think you guys, most of you know, my, my daughter was, uh, uh, well, I, you know, I didn't mention it this morning, but the first really genuinely traumatic thing I went through was definitely 9-11, and there's probably a lot of other people that could say the same thing, that, you know, there's part of me that changed forever wow. as part of that whole thing, but um, the reason I'm here today you know, is that my daughter was diagnosed with a horrible cancer, a kid-killing cancer, in uh, April of 2018, uh, and she passed away in January of 2020. Uh, you know, I, I, the it's really interesting how our paths actually intersected at the beginning of that journey. Um, we had no idea our daughter was sick. You know, she was getting a bit of a uh, gut, but she really liked starch and and wings and burgers and you know yeah. e eat a loaf of Italian bread and we just said <laughs> you know this is the greatest kid in the world who cares if she's got a little bit of a gut so <laughs> the uh, but the the gut turned out to be a, a symptom of a much larger um, problem so it was April tenth, twenty eighteen when we went out to dinner with Steve and his wife. And we hadn't seen them in almost two years. And Steve had been very sick, almost died. And I had gotten a gift card at Christmas. And it was at a place pretty close to their house. And I said to my wife, this is, this is for the Lees. We're going to get the Lees out to dinner with us. And we went out to dinner on April 10th. And our table wasn't ready. And we were sitting in a little waiting area. And I said to Steve, I said, Steve, you just seem like yourself. You seem at peace and calm and like you almost died and you're dealing with this cancer. And, and you know, how are you, how are you doing it? And, uh, and he said, Dave, you know, I gave my life to Christ 25 years ago. I can still remember, you know, it was an altar call and they were playing I Surrender All, you know. And, uh, and he's like, I... I surrendered all, you know, my life is owned by God and, and, and I'm in his hands and I'm, and I'm good with that. And I, to me, obviously I remembered it, you know, it was very impactful and profound and I had no idea how bad we'd need that truth. There was no doubt that God orchestrated that, that, that meeting. Two days later, we took Gabby to the doctor and they sent us straight to the hospital and by the time she got out 12 days later, she was missing half her colon and had been given this, you know, basically a cancer death sentence. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, you know, it, uh, and like I said, it's one of many things that just God's hand moving very clearly, um, but it started with us hanging with you. So. Wow. Steve, how about you? Mine started... Uh, back in 2017 when I was on vacation uh, with the family and the my doctor called me out of the blue and asked me how I was feeling and I told her I was feeling fine you know I, as a matter of fact I, I couldn't be better and she asked me can you get yourself to a hospital I says well I'm in the Poconos right now I you know I, I don't know where's the nearest hospital and he says well we got your blood work back and you're, you're in danger of renal failure, mm. acute renal failure. And I didn't know what that was. Um, so I begrudgingly just said, okay, I'll, I'll go have it checked out, get a second opinion. And <clears throat> uh, they did the blood work on me and they verified that, yes, you, you are going into acute renal failure. So we, we can admit you right here. And I did not want to stay overnight at the Poconos, you know, for, like that. Yeah. I, I'm on vacation. I, I, you know, I, I just want to enjoy myself. And I told him, I says, look, release me, and I promise you when I get back home, I will go to, you know, the, my local hospital, and then I'll take it from there. 
So we, uh, when we got back, I went to Stony Brook, and they did more blood work, and they, again, verified that, yes, you, you are in very close and very in danger of, of, uh, of the failure. And at that time, my uh, wife's cousin, um, she's an MP, and had recommended a nephrologist uh, from Stony Brook uh, to us. So we were seeing her, and after numerous amount of blood work, the nephrologist wasn't satisfied with the way my blood was, because my platelets were always low, always low. You know, instead of being in the 200,000 range, it was more in the low 30s towards the, the 15,000 range. Um, and that wasn't good. So she, uh, a couple months later, had asked me, uh, can you take, get yourself to the hospital? I'm gonna run some tests on you. You know, you'll probably be there for a few days. Um, I said, well, what kind of tests are you talking about? And she said, uh, well, we wanna do a bone marrow and kidney biopsy. Now, the problem with that is the technicians didn't wanna do it at the same time because my platelets were so low and they were afraid of the risk of me bleeding out mm -hmm. and not being able to stop. So what they decided to do uh, was we can do it, but we're gonna have to do a transfusion at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. And then after they did the biopsies, a week later, I get the results back and the nephrologist says, okay, so this is what we found out. You have multiple myeloma, mm. which is blood cancer, and you have uh, renal failure. Your kidneys are gone. And they were hoping that maybe the myeloma, that the, the kidney failure was caused by the myeloma, so at least they could say some functions of it. Uh, but apparently that wasn't the case. That became, it was from the diabetes. Uh, so that started the journey into chemotherapy. Now, the oncologist that I saw, which was a different oncologist from Stony Brook, um, had already, you know, uh, because they specialize in, in, in this type of cancer, uh, had already gave me a treatment, authorized a treatment, um, scheduled me for all these uh, other type of visits from, from, from blood doctor, uh, endocrinologists and, and all that. Um, so the, the first time, my first treatment was, was supposed to have been in March, the beginning of March, and, but because my body was never introduced to, to, to the uh, treatment, what ended up happening was 10 minutes into the treatment, my airwaves started closing. So I couldn't breathe. I had a, such a hard time breathing um, to a point where they, they had to stop it rush me to the hospital so they can at least get my airways cleared up, you know. So the next week after that, this, we'll, we'll try it again, but this time we're gonna slow the rate of the, the drip of the treatment. So from that point on, for the next six, seven months, um, every Saturday I was there to do chemotherapy for seven and a half hours every Saturday. And so I was constantly tired, constantly tired. Um, and then in October, uh, and, and this has nothing to do with, with, the, with the, the chemotherapy, but for whatever reason, I suffered a stroke <laughs> in the midst of all that. Uh, and then that same night when I was in the hospital, when, when I woke up the next day, my wife was sitting there. She goes, do you remember anything that happened? I said, well, I, I just remembered being rushed to the hospital. You know, I, I, I couldn't really remember talking very well and things like that, um, and much less having movement in, in, in my arms. And he goes, well, did you remember what happened last night? I go, no, I, I don't know what happened last night. He goes, he, he also suffered a seizure. He had a grand mal seizure at the time, so you bit your tongue, and then the nurse came in, and saw that you were bleeding from your mouth because you bit you know, your, your tongue. Uh, so they did a CAT scan and, and, and all that. Um, and then all in the meantime, you know, I already had a fistula put in uh, a month before, 
uh, hoping that it will mature because the nephrologist says this is what that plan is. You're definitely going to need a kidney transplant at some point. But before you do that, you're going to have to go through dialysis because your kidneys are failing and it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So January 19, uh, 2019, I started um, dialysis, uh, which the first time I tried it, it failed because my fistula wasn't mature yet. Uh, so I had to go, repair it. You know, another day in the hospital. Uh, so I've been in and out of the hospital so many times. Um, so that whole entire, you know, uh, you know, six, I think six or seven months after that, uh, eight months actually. Um, and then in September, I, they had asked me if I want to try doing peritoneal dialysis. That way you don't have to go into the center three times a week, you know, and sit there for four hours while, while they filter your blood. Um, so I said, well, okay, so what, what does it do, you know? Uh, well, they said you could do it at home every day in the comfort. So now I had to put a catheter in. They had to put the catheter in. Um, the problem with the trade-off for me, in my case, which is not really typical, is um, the machine that I have, if, if it detects a slow drain, it sets off an alarm. So imagine for the past two years, waking up, doing this every single day, and waking up four times a night, trying to complete the drain and going back to bed, and then having to work the following morning at 6.30 in the morning. Wow. You know, so I'm constantly tired every single day. Sure. You know, uh, so thank God I'm retiring, <laughs> so now I can get some, some sleep in. Um, so that's, that was a tough journey, right? So you kind of figured, you know, you know, God, what, what, you know, is there anything else you could put on, on this that, that, you know, that you could just throw at me? Or, you know? And then, then I thought about it, and I thought, oh, no, you remember what happened to Job? You know, <laughs> so you don't want to do that. You know? don't, don't ask him what else you can put on there, you know, because, you know, I could see Jesus and, and God sitting there going, let's give him some boils. Give him some boils. You know, <laughs> no, no boils. So, so in March, shortly after you, you uh, were released from, from the hospital, I had to go to Mount Sinai to get another bone marrow biopsy to make sure that, that I was in, still in remission, you know, to, so I can get approval to, to get on the list for kidney transplant. Um, but while they were doing that, they kind of botched up the, the procedure. Um, so a 15-minute procedure became a 35-minute procedure, and they were pounding that needle, trying to get at it, trying to get at it. And I'm sitting there in pain and trying not to cry, you know. Uh, yeah. And by the time it was done, I couldn't walk. That's how painful it was. I couldn't walk. And for a week and a half, I couldn't walk. And I was texting the doctor, asking him to please, please prescribe some kind of pain reliever so that I can at least move, mm. you know. So he called my oncologist, authorized a, uh, an emergency MRI, did the follow-up the next day, and they found that because of the biopsy, it created, and the way they, the way they penetrated the muscle, it created two large hematomas, which by that time, because now it's a week and a half later, it started dissipating and they can no longer drain it. Wow. So my... My, my blood count at that time, my hemoglobin was so low, it was, it was near fatal levels. You know, that's how low it was. And again, they shoot me down to, they sent me down to, to Stony Brook. I was there for another nine days, and they had to stabilize me by giving me, uh, I would say, six or seven blood transfusions just so that I can stabilize. Um, so it, it was, you know, now I'm doing PT, you know, and I... I uh, uh, the same place. <laughs> I yeah. just found out that, that yeah. you're going to. Um, so it's for the you know, past four years, three and a half, four years, it's, it's, it's been a tough ride. It's been a very tough ride. Um, but, you know, the, the bottom line for me on, on that is, you know, God is always there, you know, and, and I didn't question it. Um, you know, God, why is this happening to me? You know, because I probably wouldn't like the answer, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, he, he, he was there. He was there the whole entire time. Yeah. You know, that's how I'm hanging in. All right, brother. Thank yeah. you. Dave, would you share um, sort of what you guys went through and then also kind of what you're walking through now? Um, 
Yeah. The, uh, you know, she, it was 21 months from the time she was diagnosed to the time she passed. And uh, a lot of that was trying to figure out medical treatment um, and trying to get good quality time together. She, uh, she loved to travel. She was really fun. She was uh, a goer. And we probably did more running around in that 21 months than you know, we'd done in the previous three or four years before that. Some of it was to get medical treatments, but she wound up doing a Make-A-Wish trip that was a European cruise, and we went to five different countries there. She went for a few different treatments in Germany. She went to one of her bucket list items was to take pictures of the sunset in Santa Monica. We did that. We went to uh, Florida. We, we went all over the place. But she wound up having a gigantic surgery in uh, April of 2019, so a year after she'd been diagnosed. Um, we had kind of run out of other options medically. Um, you know, at this point, we, we believe God is sovereign. You know, anytime you go through something that dire, you're usually going to either find problems with the medical system or, or, or make some missteps because you don't know what you're doing. And, and, and there was probably a little of both in there. You know, it took us, took us uh, four months to get DNA results that they get a week in, Euro in, a week in Europe, wow. you know. Um, and that's four months we, we lost she wound up going for a super invasive surgery that April of 2019. And when we brought her in, they told us that she was about 10 days away from being dead. Um, and uh, they took basically everything you can take out of a person and still have them be alive. They took her ovaries and her uterus and her uh, colon and most of her stomach lining. And, um, and then they flushed her with hot chemo. Uh, it was a 17-hour surgery. Um, the, uh, I didn't talk about this this morning, but the surgeon was a strong Christian. Um, and she prayed with us. And, uh, you know, and um, she told us there's times where she's in surgery and God just starts moving her hands around. And... Uh, she said when she opened Gabby up, she'd never seen so much cancer in her life. And, uh, and she said, God, how am I going to do this? I can't do this. And we really believe that probably anyone else in the world would have just closed her right back up. And she said she heard a voice that said, just start. Mm -hmm. And uh, she told us that, uh, you know, she told us that she's took about 1,500 tumors out of our daughter that day. And that got us eight incredible months. Um, Gabby had a sweet 16 in our backyard. It was over 200 people. We did that Make-A-Wish trip. Um, it was time in Italy and, and, uh, and Spain and, you know, France. Um, and uh, we got a lot of really sweet time together. And before the surgery, she had told us, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to die. Mm -hmm. And by the time she passed away, she was ready to die. I mean, it was amazing to see, uh, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever seen, like, if you've seen someone that's been a Christian for a long, long time and, and kept maturing in their faith and really um, just grown close to Jesus over the years, and it's time for them to go. And, and you can almost see them getting uh, transformed into the person they're going to be in heaven right before your eyes. And uh, to see that with a 16-year-old kid was in incredible. Um, and we saw it. You know, she, um, she was never afraid. And uh, by the end, she had eight different tubes hanging out of her and drains all over the place and could barely walk. And, she, you know, and she just said, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep living like this. And uh, 
she was cracking jokes on the morning she died. I, um, there was never a day where there wasn't joy in our house. The presence of God was obvious and palpable, and you could feel it. And in a way I'd never experienced before she got sick, and really haven't ex- not experiencing that now. There was definitely a special presence of God in our house at that time. Um, and we would, there were so many times, especially in the first year or so, where I would just pray and say, God, I need a reminder that you're paying attention to us and you love us and, and that you're real. Um, you know, I've been a Christian uh, 30 years now, and, you know, that'll still bring up some, some doubts, you know, just, and it was amazing. The, you know, there's a doctrine, and I don't think I made it up. If I did, please don't stone me. <laughs> Um, you know, called the condescension, you know, where, where God comes down to our level. You know, it says he became a man like us and humbled himself as a man and subjected himself to all the things that we need to go through. And, and you know, in those prayers of doubt, God was just so good to our family and good to me in terms of he, you know, we don't always get every prayer to answer it or answer the way we like it. But every single time I prayed, Lord, I need, I need a reminder. I need a big smack in the face that says you're still there. Something crazy would happen that was just undeniably God, um, big and obvious. So in the year, you know, uh, and a half or so since she passed, um, it's, uh, hasn't been easy, but, the way she died was so beautiful in a sense. You know, it wasn't like she was bitter or feeling incredibly cheated. You know, she lived a whole lot for someone that lived for 16 and a half years. And we are, I think we generally feel very fortunate to have had her that long. I really do feel like she was born for what she went through and that her life was meant to be seed sown to the wind and doing things like this as part of keeping her legacy going and having her life and death uh, make a difference in, in the world. And I, and I believe that was meant to be, you know, something that was hard to come to grips with was by God constantly revealing himself and being so present. You know, it's not like I could say, you know, well, you know, it wasn't really God that allowed this to happen. God most definitely allowed it to happen. You know, and coming to terms with the fact, you know, there's that, that song that you hear sometimes, um, popular Christian song these days that says, till he returns or, or, or takes me home, Jesus commands my destiny. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus took her home, you know, that her destiny was in his hands. And she is uh, partying it up now. But it's tough to t- come to terms with the idea of, God taking your child, you know, and, and that's something we had to come to terms with for, for sure. But uh, we had joy during the battle. We have joy after, and we have a lot of pain, too. They coexist. So. Wow. Thanks for sharing all that, Dave. Steve, how do you sense God's just been at work throughout this? Uh, well, there's a couple of things that I, I've learned uh, early um, in, in, in my Christian life. And it, the one I actually <laughs> learned when, when you, your father took, took us uh, on this canoe trip, you know, with the youth group uh, in, in Kittatinny in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I never went canoeing because I grew up in Manhattan. We don't have canoes. <laughs> you know, we... We have rodents. You know, that, that's, that's, you know, we sign them up and we'll, we'll ride them, you know. So that, that, that was our joy, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so we, we went canoeing. So I, would, I, would, I will canoe. I will do the canoe thing with, with your father, you know. And what he didn't tell us was how far we're going to go, you know. So he says, we're, we're going to get these into these canoes and you can have a raft if you want and we're going to do 18 miles down the river. And I'm thinking 18 miles down the river because I don't even drive 18 miles. You want me to canoe 18 miles? You know, 
So uh, as, as I'm standing there watching this whole thing unfold before my eyes and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to exact my revenge to your father <laughs> in, in, in making me do this, you know, um, you know murder's out of the question, so I have to tell you that. Um, so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to take it like a man and I'm going to do this. So I got paired up with, with another youth group uh, a student, a kid, and we went. And we didn't get very far, and he fell out of the boat. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to be encouraging and say, you will live. Don't, don't, don't drown. And continued on, because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sinker. I'm not a floater, so I can't help him. You know, um, so my, my thought as I'm, as I'm bobbing up and down the river in the capsized canoe, trying to figure out, okay, well, I can give up and say, forget this whole thing, I'm done. Or I can continue on. And that's when it hit me. I'm looking at the river and I'm thinking, this is a hard road. It's a very hard road. But this river is like what God has for you. This is your life. This is your line. This is your lifeline. You can't change it. God says, this is set. You can't change the course. So you either go with it, okay? You could, you could do one of two things. Continue on, go through the struggles, go through the rapids, go through the rocks, and make it to the end. Or you could try to make it to the riverbank, okay? Forget the canoe, let it go, and then walk up the road and then walk all the way back to the beginning, which is tiring. I don't like to walk, okay? So I don't do that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the end because at the end, that's where the reward is, okay? So what's waiting for me at the end? Food. <laughs> Food is waiting for me at the end. And a van to take me back to the beginning so I don't have to walk. That's heaven. You have to look at it like that. That's heaven. You're going to go through your trials and tribulations. It's how you, you react to it that makes it easier. The things that I'm going through, the things that they went through, yeah, it's tough. But at the end, we're all going to be together. Yeah, there's food. You know, like, I'll have a hot dog, please. You know, you know I'm going to stand in front of the throne. One hot dog, one burger, you know. And, no condiments. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and so, so, that's, so that's one way. And the other thing that, you know, I, I wanted to mention it this morning, but I didn't, you know. I'm the type of person, you guys know me for a long time. I love to joke around. I love comedy. I love, you know, uh, making people laugh. And that's how I view life. God is the ultimate creator. So my life, in my, the way I see my life, there, it's, it's like a show. It's like a TV show. And God is the creator. He created the show. You need someone to create a show. Right? And each day is my episode. So my episode, how it turns out, is how the writers create it. And each day... Whether it's funny or not, depends on me. If it's sad, what can I do to take the sadness out and to live my life in such a way where God is glorified, where I can be happy, where my friends can be happy? If you're sad, what can I do to make you laugh? That, that means so much more to me. You know, money doesn't mean anything to me. That's material. You know, do I need a fancy car? No, I just need a vehicle to take me from point A to point B. I own a Honda Fit, okay? You know what a Honda Fit is, right? It's a smart car for the Asian chubby guy. That's, that's, what, it, that's, what, it, that's what it is, you know? Watch, you're going to see me walk out there, right? So, but that's how, I, that's how I see it, and that's what keeps me going, you know? And, and that's, that's growth. That's growth, you know? 
it, it, it doesn't matter. This, this life is, is so limited. You know, when, you, when you really think about what's at the end, when you keep your eyes on the prize and, and know where you're going and you're prepared for it, you got nothing to lose. And that's what keeps me going. Thank you. That's awesome, Steve. All right, Dave, how about you? How have you since got at work and all this? Well, I, uh, I think I'll just jump off of what Steve just said. I, um, the Lord prepared my wife and I for what was going to happen with Gabby. And in the sense that, you know, there were two very important uh, things God really just drove into our hearts. And, and one was the reality of heaven. I think for most of us, heaven is this abstract thing we don't think about a whole lot, you know, clouds and harps and, and, and uh, boredom, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really not the biblical reality of, of, uh, of heaven. And, you know, in reading uh, C.S. Lewis and George MacDonald in my 20s, I really developed a, a genuine desire for heaven and this notion that it was a, a wonderful place that is really the fulfillment of all your unfulfilled longings in, in life. And uh, something similar happened to my wife maybe five years ago where she kind of just will get obsessed on a subject and study the heck out of it for a year. And she read 13 books on heaven in one year, wow. long before Gabby ever got sick. Um, the, uh, the, other, the other truth is just that um, as Christians, we need to expect that there's going to be hard times in life. Um, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. Um, he said, you know, are you, are you sure you want to be my disciple? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You really want to follow me around and be homeless with me? Um, Eleven of the twelve apostles were martyred in horrible ways. Um, I think we make a big mistake if we assume that a Christian life is an easy life. This world is a, uh, a really broken place. In, in Romans, it says that all of creation is, is groaning. It says that it's decaying. We're in a, in a, you think of like what decaying smells like, and it's like, this planet smells like that sometimes, yeah, you know. Yeah. It smells like that, that dead cat in the road. The, um, the, so the, um, it sounds weird, but when things went horribly wrong with our, our daughter, you know, we had what I call eternity lenses from the very beginning, um, and I'll talk about that in a second, but we also... Uh, like I said, you know, it's enough to throw anybody's faith off a little in that I really did need those, at least on an emotional level, those reminders from God. Just remind me you're real one more time. I know I've been walking with you for 30 years, but, yeah. you know, show me something in today because I need it, yes. you know. Yes. And God condescending and, and answering those uh, prayers. Um, so, yeah, so much is perspective because... And I, Audra and I spoke at a camp to 150 teenagers this past week. And, you know, one of the things I talked about the last night was, you know, Gabby's death. And, and basically, if you were to look at it from a natural, earthly perspective, there is, it's just the most hopeless, most horrible thing you could ever imagine. You know, there is the... the there's a line in the Bible about the, the woman that's lost her baby and, and would not, will not be comforted. And we know people like that. You get connected with other people that have lost children, and there's, there's some that, that just refuse any kind of happiness or joy, and there's nothing left for them but emptiness and, and sorrow. And that's a natural response. That's not crazy. You know, like yeah. it's a horrible thing. Um, but when you have your eternity lenses, like we know that she is in heaven. We know that she's having a great time. We know that we're going to see her again. And it changes the perspective on everything. I, I like to say she left us so many gifts on the way out. Just the way she died. She wasn't bitter. She said she was, said she was ready. Um, she said, you know, at one point, Audra said, I think, I think 
that, you know, God might be drawing um, uh, this woman that we knew who had lost a daughter, you know, to himself through you, Gabby. And, and if you die, but, you know, one person goes to heaven who wouldn't have gone to heaven because you die, you know, that would be worth it. And Gabby had the most simple childlike faith you, of anyone I've ever met. I didn't know what childlike faith was until I saw it exercised in her these last two years because, you know, without hesitation, she just said, yeah, I do too, wow. you know. And it's not like she was ever this super spiritual-seeming kid, you know. She was a little young for her age. She just liked to have fun. She could be a little bratty, but it turned out that she had this amazingly deep faith that was extremely simple. You know, you told her something was true, and she's like, cool. You know, like she said, you know, if I die, I feel sorry for you guys because I'm going to heaven. Wow. You know, and that's a, that's a gift to us, yeah. you know, because the worst thing is watching your child suffer. Yeah. And she was suffering physically, but mentally, spiritually, she was thriving, wow. you know, and it was uh, amazing uh, to see. Steve, uh, as we're talking about God bringing growth out of hard and traumatic situations, what growth have you seen God bring? Uh, it, 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 it definitely brought me really close um, to just my relationship with, with God. Um, years ago, I was so afraid, you know, of, of dying, you know, even though I know it's inevitable. You know, death is death. Um, now, it, it doesn't frighten me anymore, you know, because I'm at peace with it. Um, I mean, preferably, God will take me later on. That's, that's how I like it to be, you know. <laughs> the longer, the better. Um, but if not, it's okay. It definitely is okay because I, I firmly believe I'm prepared. I'm prepared for that. Um, and, and that's why with, with the passing of Gabby was such a horrible and tragic thing for us, you know, physically. But it was also an inspiration because she was so young, but yet her faith is unshakable you know god, god did that for her yes you know, god i'm sorry to oh, no. interject here but th there's nothing that god where there was nothing special about her there's nothing special about us there's nothing that that god did for us that he won't do for any of you you know that yeah i, I really that, believe that the, and and that's why when 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 me going through all this, and I, I understand that this may not be the last of it. You know, there's still some hurdles that, that I know I have to go through just for the transplant itself. Um, and anything can happen in between. Something else can, can go wrong. Who knows me, you know. But I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for that. Um, I don't blame God. I don't doubt. I don't ask why. You know, uh, if it happens, it happens. One of the things that I've been hearing all, all these years from an old boss of mine was, it is what it is. You know, and I, I always used to hate it when he says that. But now it's like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, it is. It is what it is. I can't change it. I can't. There's nothing that I can humanly possibly do to change what I'm going through. I can only accept it, learn from it, and share it in hopes that other people will learn that the attitude that you have towards any situation. You know, the Bible says, you know, give, give thanks in, in everything that happens, that God gives you, because there's always a learning opportunity. Um, 
And if I can't learn from this, then I'm lost. Mm. I'm totally lost. But the fact that I can look at it and say, wow, I'm alive to see another day. Mm. Good enough for me. Mm. You know, and that's what keeps me going. Then that's, you know, I'm okay. Mm. I'm okay with that. Thank you, Steve. Dave, how about you? Have you seen God bring growth? There's, there's two things that come to mind immediately. You know, one is the whole, the whole what doesn't kill you makes you stronger thing. I, you know, I think I've, I've come to the realization that I, uh, and I'm a little ashamed of this, I, I think for a long time I, I, uh, I really avoided people who are in pain and people with messy situations. Um, I just feel like you know, I, I'm I'm not a super strong person emotionally. I'm a, a very emotional person, and and um, I've been reluctant to kind of get involved in other people's junk. And you know, now that we've been through our own junk to such an extreme degree, it just seems like other people's problems don't seem like as big a deal to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like it's almost kind of like, well, what do you got? Mm-hmm. You know, the so that's that's a way that God has grown me personally, but. I think the other thing is that uh, just that that hunger for heaven, the 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 sense of everything coming into focus, right? That w- while I'm here on earth, you know, I'm here. It's the whole to live as Christ, to die as gain thing, right? So while I'm here on earth, I'm here because God's got a mission for me. He's got a path of good works prepared in advance for me to do, as it says in Ephesians. 210, and I'm going to try and walk in that path, and as long as I'm walking in that path, you know, I'm, I'm super fulfilled, and I'm just having a blast, you know, uh, doing stuff like this. I've been successful in business. I gave away a lot of money. It's just fun, you know. The, 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 um, so figure out what God put you on earth to do and, and do it. You, you'll never be more satisfied. But, but also, he's put a tremendous hunger for heaven in, uh, in my heart. And I definitely could say the same for my wife. You know, I, I love my sports metaphors. You know, and this this world is the is the is the pregame. Yeah. It's the tailgate. It's the yeah. it's the it's the uh, you know batting practice. Yeah. And like I I like saying like you know how stupid would it be to go to the Super Bowl and uh, get drunk in the parking lot before the game and forget to go inside? Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're we're not even you know it, there, there's a a verse in the Bible that says, take hold of the life that is real, you know, and, and, uh, and that, that, you know, that eternal quality of life, the life of heaven, can, can start mm. in drips and drabs yeah. here, here on earth, and it's completed when we, when we uh, pass on and go to be with, with the Lord. So, I mean, I, uh, I, I... I, I love Steve's perspective because I'm just like, and I understand Paul's perspective now because, like, if I'm here, you know, I want to just en- enjoy life, you know. I feel like God put us on earth and gave us all these things to enjoy. But in order to really be fulfilled, we need to walk in that path of good works that he's got prepared in advance for us to do that we might bless him and bless other people. Um, but if God's done with me here on earth, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, you know. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, just say, oh, life, life stinks, let's all die. Yes. You know, I, I, I love being alive. There's joy in every, every day. Um, there's, uh, man, you know, using like the metaphor of food for heaven for an Italian guy, it's like <laughs> the, I always say my, my most sincere prayers are thanking God for food. You know, it's, it's kind of pathetic, but it's, it's true. Um, but, yeah, so... Enjoy life, work for God, mm-hmm. and when it's time to go, it's time to party. That's it. That's uh, it. Awesome. Can we hear it for these guys? So appreciate them sharing today. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. I would love uh, for us to just pray for these guys too. We want to pray for Dave's family, that God would bring continued healing to them, and also to Steve, that God would touch his body. You know we serve a God that does powerful things, and so we want to just lift them to God in prayer. And so we'll do that. And then I want to give you guys an opportunity to bring 
your things to God. Bring those, those things that have been traumatic to you. That's what we've been doing through this whole series, just bringing those things to the Lord and saying, I need you. I'm inviting you into this. Would you make a great impact and make a great difference? And um, so I'm so appreciative of these guys and giving their time. Love you guys. And super proud of you just how you keep on going. And so let's, let's pray for them, okay? God, we thank you so much for Dave, and we thank you so much for Steve. And God, we just lift them both to you right now. I lift the Kava family to you. We're so thankful for them and the influence that they're having on so many. And I just pray your incredible presence continuing in their life, Lord. That God, they would just continue to sense you. Um, that palpable presence, that joy in every day, the purpose in every day, God, and that many more would come to know you through their story, God. Be with them. I also lift um, Dave's stepbrother, James, to you right now, who is battling for his life, and we just pray healing over him, and we thank you that even since we prayed this morning, there's been improvement, and so we pray, again, you touch him. We pray for Steve, Lord. Please touch his body, heal him in power. Jesus, would you bless his wife and kids, and Lord, would you just do a mighty work, Lord? Would you heal his kidneys? Would you heal, Lord, his body? Let there be no cancer that would ever return. Uh, protect him from seizures and strokes and anything else, Lord. Just be at work in their lives, and we thank Thank you for their joy, and we thank you for their satisfaction, and we thank you, God, for how they just keep on walking towards you, Lord, how they stay in the river and they continue on. God, how they wear on eternity lenses, Lord, to see the big picture and all that's to come in you. We thank you, Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I just want to give you a minute to put your trust in him. If you are a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you just to bring to Jesus your trauma. We've been doing this week after week. We've been saying, Jesus, here's my depression, my addiction. God, here is that great loss I've experienced. Here is the heartbreak that I've walked through. And God, I'm laying this trauma at your feet. Go ahead and do that if you're a follower of Jesus. For some of you, it's just a decision tonight to stay in the river, to stay on course, to not give up. For some of you, it's to put on the eternity lenses to see that heaven, heaven awaits. It's very real. It's very real. It's all worth it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You, you saw two guys tonight who have said very bluntly, when it's our time, we're ready. And it's not because of their own good works. It's because Jesus came to die to rescue us. And their faith is 100% in him, this wonderful Savior that came. And so if you want to know a Savior like that, and you want a Savior who walks through life with you like he walks through life with Dave and Steve, and, and you want to look to eternity with hope and excitement even, today, I encourage you to pray with me. Right now, you can just say, Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me, for loving me, for forgiving me. I pray you'll fill my life now. I pray you'll show me what it is to live, both here and now and eternally. Thank you for this gift of salvation.